Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Kingdom Perspective. I'm your host, Brother Calvin Calhoun, and today we have a unique topic. Today we want to talk about spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery, you say, well, what's spiritual adultery? Well, of course, let's go straight to the heart of the matter. I want to look at Exodus 20 and 14. Now, notice, and, and we talked about this in my previous broadcast of the necessity of change, that when Jesus come, he would magnify the law. And we talked about also in that previous broadcast, and I urge you to go back and listen to it, is that the law is twofold. There's the ceremonial law, and then there's God's law. And we know that God's law was written by him with his finger in the stone tablets. Of course, we know those to be what? The Ten Commandments. But we know it's the Ten Commandments. And there are other laws. So it's the moral law of God. So then the law of Moses is what? The ceremonial law. Okay? It's the ceremonial law. Of course, that's when you take into account all the ceremonies and the, uh, the, the sacrifices and things. I mean, we know that Jesus Christ has come. We no longer have to sacrifice a bull or a lamb for our sins. We know that Jesus paid it all because he was the what? Lamb. Of God. So look at Exodus chapter 20, verse number 14. Very simple scripture says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, if we take adultery in its earthly sense, we understand it to be what? A man should not cheat or uh, have sexual relations with any other woman other than his wife. Okay? Have a relationship outside of any other woman with his wife. And that goes vice versa. Let me please say this. That goes vice versa. A lot of people tend to think, well, men cheat. Well, no, also women do cheat too, okay? But we're not here to argue whether a man cheat and a woman cheat. We're talking about spiritual adultery. So in as much a woman would cheat on a man. Well, okay, let's raise this up one level. Let's look at Deuteronomy on chapter 4. We're going to read verse 23 through 26. And it reads, take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God has forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. For thou, for, I'm sorry, when thou shalt begot children and children's children, and you shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you go over Jordan to possess it, and you shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. So we, so here you hear the Lord talking to the nation of Israel. And, and please let me un, please understand that as in as much as He's talking to the nation of Israel, He is talking to the body of Christ also. It says, "Take heed unto yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you." Okay. So in other words. The Lord God, when we get into a marriage, we make covenant. There is a covenant that is made with that marriage. That's why the Lord says the two shall become one flesh. Okay, in a marriage, yes, husband and wife become one flesh. 
But do you also know that when you become saved, when you receive the spirit of sonship, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you become one with God? Yes, you do. How do you know? Because the Spirit tells us that by one Spirit we are baptized into one body. And in John 17, Jesus prayed. He said that we should, I pray that they become, that we, that as I am in you, they shall be in us. So there is a oneness, a ehad, a oneness that we must come to in God. And so when, we're, when we come into the body of Christ, we become one with God, we become married to the Lord, okay? Please keep that in mind. And understand in the Old Testament, a lot, uh, much of the Old Testament, it's types and shadows, okay? It's types and shadows. You've got to understand the difference between types and shadows and the reality. If you don't know the difference between types and shadows and reality, you can easily become very legalistic in this definition of adultery. Now, here's the type and the shadow. It says in Ephesians that husband loved thy wives as Christ, Love the church, and he gave himself for it. So, in other words, the husband is a should be a picture of Christ, and the woman is a picture of the church. Now, one thing we know, and and we know this without a shadow of a doubt, that the Lord is faithful. Please understand that the Lord is faithful. So, if He's faithful, and we're married to Him, He being the husband, and we being the wife, then guess what? We know at least this point that the Lord himself will not cheat on us. Hmm. That's why I led off this whole discussion that what? Women cheat too. In as much as men do. But this is not an issue of man and woman because the Bible says in Galatians 3, it speaks of what? There is neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, but we are all one in Christ. But the woman is a picture of the church. It's a picture of the sons of God, okay? And we know the man's a picture of Christ. Now, let's get to spiritual adultery. If we know the Lord is faithful, then who is the one that he's talking to about committing adultery? This would be the woman. This would be the church. Is there a chance that we commit adultery against God because we're married to him. And inside that marriage to him, he ordains relationships. He ordains those relationships. And the Bible speaks about those relationships. He speaks of what happens if you put your wife away except for fornication and all that. Let's look at Matthew 5.20. I don't want to just gloss over that because we're talking about spiritual adultery. And we're going to get to the music. Don't worry. Don't worry. Now, remember I told you that the law, that when Jesus would come, he would magnify the law. Look at verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Uh, let me go back to verse number 27, actually. Let me give a context. It says, ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Oh, my mercy, my Lord. Now, so imagine men, men, how many of us have been caught up looking at the woman and lust after her, but we say it's okay to look. We heard this phrase, it's okay to look, 
as long as you don't touch, as long as you don't order. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you look upon her and lust her, you've already committed adultery. So if there's any adultery that we have committed, then we need to repent. And that goes vice versa for the woman also. If a woman looks at another man and lusts after him, in, his, in, in her heart, she has committed adultery. So those are areas of our lives that we need to be aware of, that Jesus magnified that law of adultery, that it was not just a physical situation, but now it's an issue of the heart, but let me raise it one more. When you connect yourselves to other things, you commit adultery against the Lord. You bring a third party into your relationship with the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. We're going to keep, see, <laughs> this whole passage is wonderful. Look at this, verse 31. It says, it has been said, whoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a right of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, commits adultery. Again, now watch, he brings it back. Again, you have heard that it has been said of them of old time. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thy oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all, because you swear not at all, neither by heaven or because for it is God's throne, nor by the earth for it is His footstool. Neither by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great King. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou cannot make one hair, white or black. But let your communications be yea, yea, nay, nay. For what for whatsoever is more than yea, yea, nay, nay, these cometh of evil. I'm about to bring it home now. Look at James chapter five. Verse number twelve. It says this But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth. Neither by any other oath. Please hear what the word of the Lord is saying. This ain't Calvin saying this. I'm reading this right out that Bible that sits either on your coffee table, in at your desk, in your dresser, where it says it, just because you don't read it, it's not mean that you're not accountable to it. It says, But above all things, my brother, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So what is spiritual authority? Spiritual, uh, spiritual adultery, not authority, I'm sorry. Adultery is when we covenantly connect ourselves to something other than God, and our allegiance is pulled, is pulled, serving God wholeheartedly to something else, that it causes us to not be fully vested in the Lord. Now, let me tell you what that means, okay? The Lord, if Jesus is our Lord, the word Lord in itself means what? Owner. It means owner. That means that we do not dedicate ourselves to the Lord. That is not true. That's why we say we dedicate our children. No, we give our children. If you look in Scripture, children were not dedicated to the Lord. They were given to him. There's a difference between dedication and giving because you can dedicate something and take it back, but if you give it and someone receives it, it's no longer yours. So even when we say we're christening children, in the scriptures, when a baby was born, that baby was 
given to the priesthood, then the parents, they will belong to the priest. The parents will have to pay a, 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 a ransom amount to buy the child back into their possession or the child will stay. Remember, Hannah, she promised that she would give Samuel to the priesthood. So when she brought Samuel to the priest, to the priest she did not pay the ransom to give it back. But Jesus paid a ransom to get to receive us back. Okay? Jesus paid that, that ransom in his blood. Okay? So anybody who calls in the name of Jesus, and we belong to him. So if we belong to him, then our allegiance must be fully to him. So let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 3 through 7. Let's watch now. Spiritual adultery. It's going to hit home. Deuteronomy 6, 3-7, it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land and floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And it says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Okay. Now listen to this. It says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all. That means a complete being, all thy heart, soul, and with thy might. I mean, our complete being must love the Lord. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So our, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and the soul is powerful. So our job is to bring our flesh and our soul under the rule and dominion of the spirit. But if we're going to love the Lord God, we cannot be connected or our allegiance connected to anything else other than him. That means. If you're connected by oath, by oath, 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 to any fraternity, sorority, Freemasonry, secret society, club, whatever it is that you created, that you made an oath with, you created a third-party covenant. You create a third-party covenant that even when the Lord tells you something, if it conflicts, if it doesn't, if if it conflicts with what the organization or the club or whatever you made an oath with, if it conflicts with that, you're going to have a problem moving on what the Lord says because you have, you feel an obligation to that third party covenant that you made. Listen, I'm I'm telling you this from personal testimony. Okay, I had to let go of some covenant relationships and covenant bonds, soul ties that I had made because it would conflict with my allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who, when you hear that, you're like, oh, here he go again. He's talking about the church to royalty of Freemasonry. Here's what I want you to do. And this, and the Bible clearly tells us to love the Lord God with all. That's all your being. See, no man and no woman wants their partner to have their heart anywhere else but on them. You don't want your wife possibly considering or even thinking about, hey, let me be real good soulmates with this man. No man wants his wife saying that, and no wife wants the man saying, well, I think I'm just a soulmate with this other woman. No way. If you're not going to put up with that, what makes you think God will put up with that? 
God isn't going to put up with that. That's why he's making you aware. So here's what I want you to do. I want those of you who are part of fraternity, sororities, Freemasonry, uh, organization clubs, whatever, I want you to go back and look at your book. And trust me, you took an oath. I want you to read your oath again. And you, and if you proclaim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, a believer in Jesus Christ, ask yourself one word. Ask yourself one question here. Should I be saying this? Should I be making a covenant with this? Have I given all of my life over to the Lord that when the Lord tells me to move on something, if it conflicts with the organization, will I be able to do that thing? Because I can tell you there's a lot of people who forsake, even forsake the gathering of the saints, forsake fellowship with the body of Christ, forsake the, the word of the Lord coming from pulpit because they have to attend their organizational meetings. They have to attend their organizational conferences. They have to attend this. They have to attend that because they feel obligated to do such things. I watched many, even in pharmacy school, when I was, when I was in pharmacy school, I watched many young people fail, 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 fail out of pharmacy school because of the obligation they made to some organization or fraternity or sorority. Yes, they did, because they wanted to be in it so bad. Because let me tell you what that, what's at the heart of that matter. What's at, the reason why people look for gangs, gangs, yes, fraternities, sororities, Freemasonry, is because they're, they're looking for a genuine brotherhood and sisterhood, a genuine true source of family. Your spirit desires family. It desires relationship. It desires brotherhood and sisterhood. But the true Brotherhood, sisterhood, family, relationship—that is true. That will never, that will endure to the end. Is the house of God? Is the family of God? Is the body of Christ? That is the covenant that you made with the Lord. And the Lord, and the problem is, because you've been involved in institutional religion, that covered up. That covered up and veiled you from being able to see the true brotherhood and sisterhood, which is the body of Christ, the family of God. That is what your spirit truly longs for, but because you never really saw it and you never really experienced it, your soul outsourced that, looking for what? That type of thing. And what did it find? It found Freemasonry. It found sororities, found fraternities, gangs, everything. Look at this generation now. You see a growth of what? Gangs. Why do children join gangs? Because the family home is broken. Why do they join the turn Because they're looking for brotherhood and sisterhood. They don't really see it in the church where it should have been modeled, so they outsource themselves. Now they bring that into the house of God. They bring that third-party covenant into the house of God, and you have people who worship Minerva and all these other gods that are in the parts of these fraternity sororities and everything. If you look at your oath, it does say that, Shekinah, glory, of whatever. You use those words that are strictly to the Lord, that are strictly about the Lord. And what happens is you bring a third-party covenant into the marriage that you have with the Lord. That is spiritual adultery. That's what spiritual adultery is. Spiritual adultery is when the wife, because we know Jesus would never cheat on us, when we betray the Lord and join ourselves to things outside of him that he did not ordain. God is going to order every relationship in our lives. And he will order to be fruitful, and even some that will betray. Because remember, we'll, we'll be betrayed. Judas betrayed Jesus. But we'll be betrayed. We must understand and know rejection. We must understand, but we must know and understand love. 
we must we know and understand what love is. We know love is not just compassion, mercy, and all these great things, but it's also correction. And a lot of people need to hear this message because guess what? You're in a third party relationship and it conflicts with what the Lord desires to do with you fully. You can't be all you can't be fully sold out to Jesus Christ and still be part and make an oath with another organization or club or anything, especially within the oath and the rituals and everything and the secrecy. The secrecy is the biggest part. Within that arena, you exclude yourself from the body. No finger can cut itself off from the body and live. No, the finger will die. It'll necrosis, death. Okay? So if you're in the body of Christ, we're married to the Lord. And it says the Lord is a jealous God. He's jealous because he owns us. He loves us. He wants wants our heart. He wants us fully. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and with all thy might. You can't do that if you're covenantly bonded to a third party in that thing. A husband and wife ordained by God is not a third party against the Lord. The Lord ordained that relationship to be an earthly representation of a heavenly reality between Christ and the church, husband and wife. So don't try to bring husband and wife as a third-party covenant to that. No, that relationship is ordered by the Lord. But if you can show me where the Lord ordered a relationship between you and your fraternity, your sorority, Freemasonry, or whatever, then I will repent and say I'm wrong. But I can guarantee you it's not there because he tells you not to take an oath. But go back and read your oaths, go back and read all that stuff, and ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this what the Lord wants me to be connected to? Have you fully given yourself over to the Lord where you hear him and you serve him with all your heart, your soul, and your might? If that is not true, guess what? You're committing spiritual adultery. And these are blind spots. Please understand, I'm doing a teaching right now on blind spots, and if you... um, Look on even on our Facebook group. Um, if you're part of the household, you can look in the Facebook group. But even on my Facebook page, I'm posting those teachings via my blog about blind spots. This is a blind spot for many believers, especially in the African-American community in the United States. We just believe we can just bring that into the church, proclaim your Delta Sigma Theta, proclaim your AKA, your Zeta Phi Beta, your Alpha Phi Alpha, your Alpha Phi Omega, your Kappa Alpha Psi, your AKA, uh, your Omega Psi Phi, um, what they call the Divine Nine, that's what it's, that they call it. You believe you can just bring that into the body of Christ, and then what that does, it sections you off in the body of Christ. But that is not, that's why Jesus said in, in the, in, to the church of Corinth, there should be no schism in the body. There should be no divisions in the body. And when you do that, you create through that third-party covenant a division within the body. You set yourself apart from your brothers and sisters within the body of Christ, but you call them your brothers and sisters, but if your brothers and sisters are not part of this little clique or this club or this organization, you separate yourself from them. Oh, yes, that's what it does. I understand. I know. I'm telling you I know because I watch it and I see. I was a part of. I came out of. I made a third-party covenant back in my day, and before I got into ministry, true word, before I got into ministry, the Lord told me that I had to break covenant with that. I could not be a part of that. I could not be a part of what I was in. And um, 
no matter how you shape it, no matter how you feel, you can make it mean what you want it to mean, but if the Lord says you must break covenant, you must break covenant. And I broke covenant because I love God more than I love the organization. And I was able to see things in the organization that were not of God. Do I love the people? Absolutely. I pray that they come out themselves. That's what love does. Love makes wants you to reach back and grab as many people out as you can. But I also realize there's resistance, there's rebellion, and the grip that these things, that these organizations and these uh, organizations have on people. I understand it. I realize the grip that institutional church has on people. Oh, trust me, I know. Won't let the sun go. Won't let the sun mature. The moment they start saying kingdom or sonship, they are a harlot and a heretic because it goes against the principles of that of that denomination. I totally, totally understand. And and a lot of the reasons, and this is something that we will talk about in the days to come, is it's sentimentalism. Your sentiment, how you feel towards that person. There's no room for that in the body of Christ, sentimentalism. There's a lot of relationships that we need to break, that we got to break before we can grow up and mature in the Lord. Trust me, it's not an easy process because the main thing that your soul cries out is that it doesn't want to break out because you want these friends. But let me tell you something. When you come into the body of Christ, you find more than friends. You find fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. You find a true authenticity, love. That's what the Bible says. They should know us by how we love one another. Love your neighbor as thyself. Love the Lord. The house of God is built on the cornerstone, cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ, who is love. But we are to be that love manifested in the earth by the way we conduct ourselves, by the way we treat people, by the way we talk, by the way we live, by the way we walk. That is how Christ rides upon us. Because remember Jesus Christ, when he came into Jerusalem, he was riding on a a colt and a donkey. Picture of a father, son, wineskin. He was riding. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, because he's riding in on the wineskin of what? Father and son. He's riding in on the wineskin of culture, relationship, family. But we must understand in the family that husband and wife is exclusive. You cannot have a third party. None of us want a third party in our marriage. Let us all be real. If you want a third party in your marriage, you are not in Christ. You are not of God. Those who truly understand the meaning of marriage being the earthly representation of a heavenly reality, we know that a third party disrupts and destroys the perfect picture of the relationship between Christ and the church and the earth. This is why, listen to me, this is why homosexuality is such an abomination because it cannot mimic the heavenly reality of the predestined, the foreordained body of Christ. It cannot. Two men, two women, it can't be. That's why God just constantly kept hitting that because it cannot procreate. Procreation is is a manifestation of God's glory because it's like him, procreation. Two men, two women can't do that. So I urge us to search our hearts. Uh, that's one of the things, one of the songs that I, I so dear love is Psalm 51. And sometimes we need to come back to Psalm 51. It talks about uh, transgressions and 
sins and um, but talk about the forgiveness and the mercy, asking the Lord to renew a right spirit within us. And so but it also speaks of searching us, okay? Searching us, searching us and speaks of the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, humility, a broken and contrite heart. And it says, the Lord will not despise the one. It says, behold, thou, verse 6, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. This is so important. Search for the wisdom of God. As it pertains to your organization, your club, the sorority, your fraternity, or whatever, go search it out. Go look at your oath. Ask God. Ask and pray about it. I'm telling you now, it's not of God. Let it go. Come from out of her and serve the Lord with all your being, all your being. It is time for us now that the Lord is shining the light on this blind spot of spiritual adultery, that the sons of God will no longer be blind to this, but be able to cut off all ungodliness, that they may serve the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their spirit. I love you dearly, my beloved brothers and sisters. May God bless you and keep you. Till we meet again on the kingdom perspective. God bless you.